All right, so we've got a bit of a um, scary special edition of The Geek Awakens tonight. And so my question for tonight's guest, uh, who is uh, one of the authors in the uh, Kickstarter uh, that's live now for uh, Memoirs of the Morbid, uh, Grant Lackard, what scary movie freaked you out the most as a kid? So, well, okay, I'll give you a hint. This was what it said. This was all it said in the TV guide. It said the name of the, the movie. Then it said horror movie starring Jack Nicholson, three out of four stars. And I remember my parents had gone away, I think, to a Halloween party earlier that night. And I was looking for something on TV. I had never heard. I mean, you can probably guess what movie it is, right? Yeah. So I had never heard of The Shining. I just took a chance on a movie I had never heard of. And like I said, it was three out of four stars. So my expectations weren't huge. And yeah, it ended up making it so I couldn't sleep for a few weeks after that. <laughs> I, I can't imagine why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Was that a seminal horror movie for you as well uh you know i've actually never seen the shining um you you can talk to any one of my friends uh there is a huge amount of movies that i should have seen but i have never seen um i'm, I'm really bad at watching movies just for some reason huh. but the movie that messed me up a lot as a kid uh was child's play now huh. yeah uh, are you familiar with the My Buddy uh, dolls or whatever that were big in like the 80s and 90s? Yeah, I think I vaguely remember them. Yeah. So when I was a really, really young kid, my mom got me one of those because it looked exactly like me as a child. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. And then watching this horror movie about this doll that comes to life and murders people like I could not be in the same room with that thing like ever wow. again yeah like even like years later once i was you know like over being scared of chucky um you know like she she still kept it because you know she keep kept everything of mine basically um so like i was well over being scared of chucky but like i would still give that my buddy doll like the side eye like mm, you're 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 gonna come to life and murder me and i'm not ha i'm not here for it that's so interesting isn't that funny <laughs> Like how old how old were you if you don't mind me asking? Um I was probably too young to really be watching that uh to be watching child's play. Um, yeah, I would say. Yeah, I I would probably put myself at maybe 7, maybe 8, something like something like that. Oh wow, yeah, so you were yeah. really young. Yeah, I was a youngin. Was it just something you saw kind of like by accident almost, like just flipping through the channels and you were like, "Oh, this looks interesting." And um, you know, I'm not a hundred percent for sure, but I'm going to blame my brother on this one. My brother is five years older than me. Uh, so, yeah. So it was, it was probably his, his fault that I, you know, watched that movie and then had to be in, you know, like couldn't have the lights out for a week. So I don't know. I don't know if you had this at your school. Was there like the one kid who was allowed to watch R rated movies? And then, like, he would come into school the next day and, and describe them to you. 
and he was like a celebrity on the playground. <laughs> yes, yes, there was. I'm pretty sure one of those in just about every school. Because <laughs> I remember, like, I was like, I was never allowed to watch horror movies, and I remember, like, in my head when this kid would describe them, I would get so scared, and then I would end up watching the real horror movies like years later and being like oh my god that is the fakest cheesiest thing i ever saw in my entire life you're listening to the geek awakens with mitch matt tabitha lydia and ticket So um, we're going to move on a little bit. Uh, Grant, once again, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. You've got a Kickstarter. Like I said, it's live now. Uh, it's a it's an anthology called Memoirs of the Morbid. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So Memoirs of the Morbid is an homage to black and white horror comic books from the 40s and 50s, uh, specifically the EC comics. If you don't know what EC comics are, uh, there was a, if you guys remember the Tales from the Crypt uh, TV show on HBO, I think in the early 90s, that was based on a comic book from the 1940s that was actually almost single-handedly responsible for ending comic books altogether. Um, It actually launched a Senate hearing because people were so freaked out about like, oh my God, what are we letting our kids read? Um, anyway, so this is an homage to that. It's, I wouldn't ca- describe it as a ridiculously faithful homage. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't describe it as a slavish homage. I mean, I kind of let the stories go their, their own route as opposed to, you know, being very strict about oh no 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 it has to be an exact you know the exact recipe as those old uh, ec comics right on um so your story for this anthology is the trench coat killer it's a story that breaks the fourth wall with jeffrey a kid who's obsessed with death dismemberment and horror comics uh so what was your inspiration for this story So I was thinking as I was, you know, brainstorming ideas, what kind of freaks me out? And I remember one of the things that has always kind of freaked me out is when like horror kind of breaks the fourth wall like that. Um, The best example I can think of is if you've ever seen the movie The Ring, where Mm -hmm. it's kind of breaking the fourth wall in that you're watching a movie about a movie that kills people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really great analogy, you know, thinking about that. Um, And, you know, the, especially with the the story that you wrote, because yeah, the uh, couple of pages that I read, and I'm going to talk about your newsletter here in a little bit, but the couple of pages that I read in your newsletter, kind of hyping up your Kickstarter, uh, definitely gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) Thanks. Uh Um, so Memoirs of the Morbid, it is an anthology with different creative teams for each story. Uh, were there any challenges assembling that group for this project? 
Um, I mean, so this is the first time I've worked on a project of this size. Um, the hardest thing is, you know, keeping everybody up to track, up, you know, keeping track of everybody, making sure everybody's getting their pages done, um, making sure everybody's not giving the letterer their pages like two days before it's due, you know, so that he has to do like 20 pages in two days, that sort of thing. Right on. Um, and what ties all of the stories for this anthology together is a character known as the Ghoul Master. Uh, we got a little sneak peek of him in the preview that you sent out to your newsletter subscribers. So who is the Ghoul Master and why was he important? Why? Well, I'm sorry. Why was it important to include a character like him? Well, I mean, first of all, it, it was something that was in the original EC comics. Like I said, this isn't slavish, but I so the thing that makes him different than the EC characters kind of breaking the fourth wall again is that he's like a very pampered, very spoiled celebrity, um, <laughs> which I thought was a lot of fun to play around with. Um, there might be a storyline at some point where the ghoul master uh, ends up getting like canceled because of stuff that he's said or done. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, it, I don't know. I have a very specific sense of humor and something about that kind of struck me the right way. So that's why I included that. That's, that's wonderful. I can't wait to see that scene play out. Um, so I'm not personally a fan of black and white comics. Uh, something we've talked about on the show in the past is how like the walking dead has never been able to capture me for, because of, you know, the, the bulk of it's been black and white. Uh, but that said, like, it just feels right for memoirs of the morbid. Um, the preview pages that I've seen, it's like, I, it's, it's what I, it's what I need, you know? Um, uh, was that always the plan to do the anthology in black and white or did that idea come up during the creative process? You know what? I think black and white is especially good for horror. Um, well, I guess, and I, and you said that uh, you didn't like um, The Walking Dead, which I guess is also horror, but um, I don't know. I feel like it, it's always worked. There's something kind of eerie about black and white, kind of something unnatural looking about it. Like I always found black and white horror movies scarier than, than regular horror movies. Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, if we're doing an homage to EC Comics, it kind of has to be in black and white. For sure, for sure. Um, so kind of moving on to just like as as a Kickstarter campaign just in general. So like, what are some of the challenges of running a Kickstarter campaign? Oh God, everything. Um, <laughs> one of the big challenges is not wanting to check your phone or wanting to check your phone every five seconds and like forcing yourself not to. Uh, I don't know, have you ever run a, a Kickstarter? I have not. I am not... Uh nearly as creative as you know you and a lot of the other people that i've thrown money towards uh you know towards for kickstarters especially with uh not having cons you know the last uh, year and a half i mean it's just it's it's a constant like i said it's a constant wanting to check your phone every five minutes and then being you know why isn't anybody backing right now and and then you see other comic books and you're like, why are they making more money than me? Um, or at least, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But 
uh, yeah, it's just constant thinking. You know, when you lay in bed at night, you're thinking, oh, I could be doing something to promote my Kickstarter now. It's, it's just, it's a 24 hour job. You constantly want to be somehow promoting your Kickstarter and you start running out of ideas and then it, it becomes frantic. Like you keep thinking like, Oh, I need new, new ways to promote my Kickstarter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just, it's anxiety inducing. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, not to, not to put you on the spot. I know I, you know, sent you the questions, uh, you know, earlier today, but this kind of like popped in my head. I, and I remembered um, you had, uh, kind of a special um, instance with with uh, the release of the memoirs of the morbid when I because I saw on your Twitter you were stressed <laughs> out because you launched it and then like an hour later Facebook and Instagram both go down so like right. how how stressed were you that first day very stressed so if you don't know anything about Kickstarter they basically determine whether or not you're going to have a good Kickstarter or a bad Kickstarter based on like the first 48 hours. Oh, wow. So I literally had just like set aside the entire first day to just sit around and promote my comic book. And so, so I was doing a friend of mine's streaming show and I, I launched the Kickstarter on there. And as soon as the show was over, I went to my phone to log in to Facebook and Twitter. And I literally just got, you know, the, the loading screen. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, huh, Kickstarter, uh, Facebook is taking a really long time. I guess I'll check in. I guess I'll try Instagram. Instagram also taking forever to load. I started thinking, huh, this is strange. So I start like, you know, texting friends of mine, like, hey, what's going on with Facebook and Instagram? If you heard anything, are you able to get on there? Uh, At that point, I realized it's nationwide, which to my knowledge, this is the first time there's been a nationwide Facebook and Instagram outage yeah and and if not the first time definitely like the the longest one like it was down for seemingly like ages yeah i mean it i mean and it's kind of crazy i mean you saw the people on facebook afterwards who were saying like yeah you know i didn't know what to do and then there were other people who were like oh god you know i didn't even notice that facebook was down but yeah it it does it is kind of a reminder of just how dependent we are on this technology. I mean, it's kind of crazy that, you know, Facebook has been around for what, like 10 years and we're, and we can't even go one afternoon without it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just the, the, the scope of how, yeah, of how much we have become dependent on it in that timeframe is just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I guess in my case, it's, it's kind of different because I mean, I am kind of dependent on it for, you know, this Kickstarter, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of bizarre to think that 
in such a short period of time, we're so dependent on, you know, our technology for social media. And I mean, and something else, I mean, that kind of stinks is the fact that because Facebook owns Instagram now, whenever Facebook goes down, Instagram go down, goes down too. So, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they should have thought, you know, harder about that, like, you know, some type of anti-monopoly. I'm not sure if I'm making sense or not, but. <laughs> no, 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 you're making total sense. And yeah, you, you, you think that they would think about things like that, but unfortunately all they can think about is, you know, how much money they're going to make from this. Right. <laughs> so speaking of money, uh, as of this recording, you're almost to the halfway point of your goal, and we do still have about three weeks left, uh, three weeks and a couple of days. Uh, so do you have stretch goals um, planned out for memoirs? So the one idea that I had was actually suggested to me by one of the writers and artists, Dave Schuler. He suggested that I do a pin, like a little enamel pin of... of the uh the ghoul master and i kind of like the idea so much that even if it doesn't end up making that stretch goal i might end up doing that anyways just because i think it's a really fun idea yeah i was um i was on looking at your kickstarter page earlier today and yeah when i saw that um especially with the pin i was like Oh man, I, I need that in my life. Like if I had the money, I would, I would give like, I would give all of that to the Kickstarter just to make sure that I got that one pin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be, that would be nice for me, right? It would. And, and sadly, I do not have that much money. So don't be looking for that. <laughs> we're, yeah. So we're going to have to figure out another way, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your other book, uh, Beowulf. Uh, what's that series all about? So Beowulf is two issues into a six-issue arc. It is about the reincarnation of the legendary warrior Beowulf, reincarnated as a 30-something slacker. Uh, <laughs> so the main character is, is Hazel. She's a 13-year-old girl who discovers that her cat has magic powers. They find out that a dragon it has woken from a thousand-year nap. And he's threatening to go on a rampage. So it's Mooney, the cat Mooney's idea to track down Beowulf, the reincarnation of Beowulf. But uh, unfortunately, he's not the great hero that they're expecting. And yeah, and I've um, I've read both issues of Beowulf so far, and it's such a fun story. And Mooney Thank is you. you're welcome. And Mooney is one of my favorite characters. Um, I just I, I love any cat that you know can talk and then thinks it's smarter than you because it is smarter than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mooney, have you seen any of the pictures of the cat Mooney is based on? Uh, that's on your Instagram, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so if you guys knew Mooney in real life, you would understand why. I think he might be the reincarnation of like a wise old wizard. <laughs> uh, there's something about his attitude. Are you a cat person? I am. Yes. Okay. Um, so what is it about the classic poem that made Beowulf a good fit to bring to the present day? So it was a fairy tale 
I, my parents had a big book of legends and fairy tales. I think it was like a time life book. It was one of those ones that I think you get in the mail, like, um, like you, you have like a subscription to it. Like, I don't think you even have to pay for it every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the fairy tale that stood out to me was Beowulf just because quite frankly, it sounded like a comic book. Um, I remember hearing the story and thinking like, wow, you know, this wouldn't take that much adapting for it to just be a straight up superhero comic book. And, um, looking at it now it's kind of nice because you know adapting a fairy tale is kind of nice for several reasons uh first of all of course it's it's public domain so you don't have to pay for rights but secondly you know a lot of the work is already done for you you know names of villains that sort of thing right on um so Beowulf and Memoirs of the Morbid are both under the Monarch publishing name. Uh, one of the cool things that I saw on Monarch's website was the it's like a book report, but fun video series. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how that got started. So it's like a book report, but fun was my wife and my idea for a streaming show. Um, so my wife and I both read comic books, but sometimes we kind of have different opinions on stuff um among other things i'm a superman guy she's more of a batman guy uh or batman girl uh she she doesn't mind manga uh i don't like it very much um she tends to like you know more strong female characters um And I guess I don't necessarily have anything against that, but I also do like the kind of um, more escapist comic books. Let's put it that way. Um, So, so far, I don't know that we've really had any big disagreements on any comic books. Like so far, there haven't been any that I just really disagreed with her on, but I think we're going to start, uh, playing around with, you know, the fact that we we get to take turns picking the comic book that we're going to read. So I might pick a couple comic books that I know she's not going to like, just to get under her skin and see what she says about it. And then I think she she's gonna she's probably gonna pay me back by making me read some manga. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, especially with manga. Like, I always like because we've reviewed a couple of those on uh, earlier episodes and it's like every time it's like, I have to reorient myself and how to, how to read them. Huh? Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I know I, I'm sure that there is manga out there that I would enjoy. Um, uh, It's, I, I don't know. Part of it is, maybe part of it is that it's a can of worms. I don't necessarily want to open because it seems like everybody who likes manga or anime, it's like their life revolves around it. Um, I don't know. I've also, I've also kind of been turned off to manga and anime by knowing a couple of, of super fans throughout my life. Cause to me, there's nothing more annoying than 
having somebody rattle off a bunch of Japanese names and you don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I know that pain. So um, moving on. So let's talk a little bit. uh, How did you get your start in comics? So it was something that I always wanted to do uh, from the time I was a little kid. Um, I don't know how old you are. Uh, I think I'm probably a little bit older than you, but I grew up in the early nineties when comic books were huge. Mm-hmm. And that was when guys like Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee came along. And that was a level of celebrity that we had never really seen in comic books before. Um, where it was like, I mean, freaking Rob Liefeld had a jeans commercial for crying out loud. <laughs> um, that was just a level of celebrity we had never seen before. And I think to like a 12 or 13 year old kid, that seems like a dream come true. Like, wait a minute, I can make money by drawing all day and hanging out with my friends and, you know, we'll sit around and we'll talk about comic books and girls. And uh, I don't have to wear a suit to work. And I, there's actually a chance, like, I might actually get rich and famous off of this. It just seemed like the greatest lifestyle ever. And um, <clears throat> that was kind of what appealed to me about it. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was 13... I was very scared of ending up in a cubicle the rest of my life because that did not seem fun at all. Mm -hmm. And this seemed like a way out of it. So I continued wanting to be a comic book artist. But um, when I graduated from high school, I was talked out of, of pursuing it. Just because people told me at the time, you know, you'll never make any money at this. You know, it's a pipe dream. So what I ended up going to school for was I ended up going to school for graphic design. And I think part of the reason why I went to school for that was in the back of my head, it seemed like they were kind of related skills. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe if I get good at graphic design you know if i get a graphic design job i can still work on my comic books in my free time and i also was under the impression that graphic design was a creative field which i mean in some ways it is but in other ways it's kind of just another boring cubicle job like i was scared of getting so yeah i i basically found graphic design very unrewarding And, um, you know, when this whole quarantine hit, like a lot of people, I was laid off from my job and I thought to myself, you know, I've got all this extra time. Why not try to see, you know, if I can make my dream come true. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so who are some of your influences, either creators or even like characters themselves? So, um, my favorite artist um my favorite artist i mean of course jack kirby everybody loves jack kirby another one of my favorites 
a guy who um, I just, when I first saw his art, I was like, there's nobody else who looks even remotely like this. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about Bill Sienkiewicz. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he, if his style is necessarily in my style. I don't know if, if you can necessarily see his influence in my style or not. But uh, I'm trying to work more towards that. Uh, one of my favorite recent artists is a guy named Jim, Jim Mafood, who does uh, the Girl Scouts comic. Um, he's really cool. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of a lot of... What I like is that kind of style where it's very loose, but it's also kind of precise. If that sounds like an oxymoron, I apologize, but I don't really know any other way to describe Bill Sienkiewicz's art, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I like a lot of other guys. I like Mike Mignola, uh, John Ramada Jr., um, Alex Toth, those guys. Okay. Um, so as a writer and artist, uh, do you have a preference of one over the other? Um I mean, writing takes a lot less time. Uh, so my, the current, the, the story that's in Memoirs of the Morbid is actually illustrated by a young lady named Val- Valentina Perone. I'm doing all of the, uh, the narrator scenes and, Val- and Valentina is doing the actual story. So that's kind of nice. It's nice being able to interact with other artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess I'm not answering your question. Um, <laughs> do I have a preference? I mean, the thing about drawing comic books is it takes so, so, so long. And um, which is why a lot of times I end up outsourcing it just because if I drew all of these comic books, just by myself, I'd probably only be able to, to do like one, maybe two comic books a year. Yeah. So I guess in that way, I like writing better just because it doesn't take such an, an insane amount of time. So with conventions opening back up, do you have plans to go to any this year, either as a creator or just as a fan? So we've already, uh, we've already been to a few. I mean, by we, I mean... Um, my wife and I, and I've been going with a few of uh, fellow comic book creators from Pittsburgh. Um, we've been to Steel City Con, which was in August. I have a booth for the December one as well. Uh, we just got back from uh, Mountaineer Con, which is in West Virginia. Then this weekend, we're doing. Um, what was it? Sci-Fi Valley, which is in central Pennsylvania. And then we're actually doing two conventions back to back. We're doing, uh, we're doing Sci-Fi Valley this weekend. And then next weekend we're doing three rivers convention. So we're, yeah, so we're busy. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so how can people find you online? Um, you can search at GW Lankard on both Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook book. I'm just Grant Lankard. Okay. So 
one final time, how can people make sure that they get a copy of Memoirs of the Morbid? Go on Kickstarter. Uh, we have digital. We have digital. We have five different covers you can pick from, which I have to say the covers turned out. Re- Did you take a look at them? Yeah, the covers look amazing. <laughs> like that's that's part of the reason that uh, I haven't backed it yet because it's like I don't know which one I want. <laughs> I know people people keep. I'm glad you didn't ask me which one's my favorite because <laughs> they're all so good. <laughs> and uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say uh, they can go search Memoirs of the Morbid on Kickstarter, pick your favorite cover, or pick the digital route. Or better yet, you can you can back you can get multiple covers. Awesome! And when does the Kickstarter end? Halloween, Halloween night. Perfect, perfect. So, uh, Grant, thanks again for taking the time to talk to us, and best of luck on your Kickstarter. Sure, thank you.